Hi guys, welcome back to Melanin Girl Problem Podcast, Season 3, Episode 21. And today we are talking about the WandaVision series. WandaVision, one WandaVision. And I will say, if you have not seen WandaVision, please click out the podcast because I do not want to get any spoilers. But if you have seen WandaVision, stick on to this review because I will be mentioning and explaining a lot of the sitcom references that were in WandaVision. Well, like I said, haven't seen it, click out. If you have seen it, tune in. Now let's get started. Now basically, when you're tuning into WandaVision, there are a lot of things happening, especially it is the first MCU Universe series production to streaming on Disney+, Plus, while expanding more into the MCU by exploring the two most beloved character, Wanda Maximoff and Vision. But as much of the series, and as for MCU fan myself, and also a sitcom fanatic, throughout the series, we watch as Wanda and Vision live out most of their satire domestic fantasy inspired by decades of sitcoms and tropes and aesthetic. I feel like when you begin WandaVision, um, I feel like even in the first episode, you kind of get that feel of the, the f- film in front of a live studio audience. WandaVision debuts episodes that are thrown us straight into the 1950s sitcom territories, from the production design to the 43 black and white photography, which is beautifully done, by the way, and the nostalgic set and costume design. Wanda and Vision's relationships in this episode draws heavily on the post-war domesticated lifestyle of a classic sitcom like I Love Lucy, Leave it to Beaver, The Honeymovers, and The Dick Van Dyke Show with Dick Van Dyke himself even consulting on the first two episodes. When WandaVision creators asked Van Dyke the secret to the silly physical comedy gags of old sitcoms that I'd never seen false, he answers with, if it couldn't happen in real life, it couldn't happen on a show. And that was really great advice moving forward with WandaVision. This is a perfectly show in the final dinner sequence on the first episode. The comedy is not necessarily based on Wanda and Vision's being outside with superpowers, but it's grounded in neither of them remembering that Vision's boss is coming to dinner and them having to scramble to get a meal together to impress their guests. Even with Wanda's powers and the special effects that are straight out of the Bewitch and I Dream of Genie sitcom reference, in WandaVision, the first two episodes, Wanda's powers aren't expressed with her usual red glow, but practically levitation and obvious jump cunts. Jump- Jump cuts garnishing by chimney chiming bells, you could say. And for the most part, the episodes bring with an upbeat tone that has a nostalgic post World War II feeling to it, with all the reference to the blood to bolster it. And I feel with the episode steers suddenly into a more darker tone, this has the reference points to it as well. As a matter of fact, Professor's boss, Mr. Hart, questions where the couple comes from. Then he begins to choke on his dinner. There's an awkward silence with Mr. Hart choking as Miss Hart. Family Trippers plan to want her to stop, and after a minute, Wanda breaks her domestic housewife routine, commanding Vision to help Miss Hark, and then everything seemingly goes back to normal. The seems selling straight out of the original series are Juan Sterling's sci fi anthology series, The Twilight Zone, running from 1959. The Twilight Zone was notorious for a lot of disturbing science fiction scenes and concepts in front of its audience, with little to no comfort to them, which is kind of sad thinking back on the series because I didn't watch the episode of Twilight Zone and I had no idea what was going on. But come on, it's WandaVision. And let's not forget, Vision is kind of dead after all. And then in episode two, really pays homage to the Bewitched and I Dream of Duty reference. The opening credits themselves are obvious homage to the Bewitching iconic animated credits. Even in the episode stunning ending in Wanda and Vision see the world shift into technicolor mirrors, I Dream of Genie, after 30 episodes of I Dream of Genie, had a similar drastic shift in dry color. And I think in the opening sequence, Wanda and Vision are sleeping separate beds. But by the end of the cold open, Wanda has fused the beds together in a double bed. And her and Vision are clearly getting busy. The reflecting 
a historical shift in film and television in the 60s and 70s brought on the dwindling influence of the Hayes Code. That code basically prevented men and women from sharing beds on film and television. But by the late 60s and 70s, this style was drastically changing. And Bewitched was one of the first sitcoms to break the trope of couples sleeping in single beds. When Samantha and her immortal husband Darren share a bed, Considering WandaVision bewitching and opening credits, it's only perfect that Wanda should break the first single bed rule for her and Vision in their homage. The visual effects for Wanda's power are still ex- executed in the practical style of pre-CGI sitcom, even as Wanda and Vision partake in the look and talent show as a magic act, yes, another reference to the bewitching plot, the visual effects are still mostly achieved with the obvious jump cunts in the styles of bewitching and I Dream of Genie. WandaVision emphasis on exploring these type of sitcoms in the live sitcom might be too early to say, but the episode does a really good job of criticizing sitcoms in a very convenient way. There was a rant in a talent show by Vision goes off by stating, tonight we will lie to you and you will easily fall for it because humans have very limited understanding. Both criticizing the series and perfectly summing up the appealing falsehood of TV in general. Then in episode three, how I mentioned Tricolor earlier, Basically, comes from the family sitcom of the 1970s, drawing threads from the Brady Bunch, the Patriots family, the Mary Tyler Moore show, and the portion of Ed's father. Especially for the Brady Bunch, it's seen in the age of Ultron when you see one and her twin brother Pedro get her powers, whereas the scene where she's incidentally watching the Brady Bunch. So, that does actually come from the inspiration for WandaVision and also the inspiration for the TV show as well. I feel like at the beginning of the episode, Wanda and Vision's house has a more of a retrofit style into the sleek, clunky, middle-class home, complete with the ultra-modern stairs, reminiscing in the homes of all in the family and the Brady Bunch. It's also worth knowing that Wanda's doctor, who was there checking up on her pregnancy, is named Dr. Nelson, which refers to the Nelson reign that dated upon the arrival meteorology of, of tracking the numbers of broadcast televised viewers. The method was popular for garnishing a television show success in the 70s and 80s, when mainly family homes featured a Nelson box that measured the viewing habits. It's only fitting that Wanda's doctor who assists in maintaining the Serato family normalcy in WandaVision 70s sitcom life is named Nielsen. Another thing I like to pay homage to in the WandaVision sitcom related inspiration is the nature of sitcom pregnancies. The secret rule Geraldine stops by and attempts, and Wanda attempts to hide her sudden pregnancy by holding up large props, wearing oversized coats, and standing behind benches, a parody of the numerous ways actors' pregnancies are unsuccessfully covered by popular sitcoms to these days. Geraldine doesn't even register Wanda's even pregnant until Wanda actually goes into labor in front of her. And then we have like the split screen action of Wanda going to labor side by side with Vision super spreading to fetch Dr. Nielsen. This technique was often popular in action series in the 1907s like Charlie's Angels and Get Smart. And the whole aesthetic episode wasn't enough for you. Vision practically changes diapers on a kitty carry all doll at the same exact doll that Cindy Ray's hands had had her hands on for the particular five seasons of the Brady Bunch, until it suddenly disappeared because the culprit was a dog who took her two dog, the doll that she loved and cherished, until her brother took it. But basically, the dog took it and hid it in his doghouse. That was kind of a neat reference to. And I feel like also on episode five, on a very special episode, kind goes more into more Wanda's more domestic blitz sitcom that she's created for herself. That kind of played homage to the 80s and more little early 90s sitcoms, especially Growing Pains, Step by Step, Family Ties, and Full House. I feel like sometimes when looking at this heavy retro opening scene of Wanda Visual Life on the screen, you know, it does pull some heavy inspired opening tiles and lyrics from both Family Ties and Growing Pains. I feel like 
Also with the family sitcom, it does get an extra mm in reference to Elizabeth Olsen's famous twins, American Ashley, when they started in Full House. Speaking of twins, also we're mentioning that Wanda's twins have aged rapidly is to a comedic reference to children sitcoms that have been known to age at alarming rate and much quicker by faster years from one season to the next. Depending on the storyline, Tommy and Billy's speedy aging is clearly poking fun at the sitcoms and their strange patches of time, how they never actually explain how these kids were from babies to toddlers to talking to us now. So I think that was a nice way to pay homage and poking fun at them in some sense. I think also we also have the spectacular everyone loves the Halloween episode, which I truly love. And every Halloween theme is always in Bewitch. I love Lucy, the Dick Van Dyke show, and many of them, especially in the most people sitcom that mainly have known today is Malcolm in the Middle. Now, we're treated with an overarching iconic line from Malcolm in the Middle, saying yes, no, maybe, opening right down to the same font being used with the character's name. But in Malcolm in the Middle, the inspiration doesn't really stop there. I feel like with the whole direction of the Malcolm in the Middle style, it becomes with this focus on the symbol family single camera family action in Mock in the Middle and how it's split between the shot between Petra lying awake on the couch while the twins discuss him in the background the episode just stating a clear reference to the quality. And I think also with the focal point of both Wanda's son, Billy and Tom also directly address the audience throughout the episode, but the adults don't. This is an exact replica of the way Malcolm, especially his brothers, broke the fourth wall in Mock in the Middle. Throughout the episode Billy addresses us the way Malcolm did in Malcolm Middle, cluing us in on the gossip behind the scenes, currently straining on the family dynamic in the Maximoff household, as well as telling us why he loves Halloween. I think also you have this stereotypical dad that works odd jobs, the controlling mother trying to balance work life and trying to raise three really strange boys while juggling her own work life is a perfectly king homage and parallel to Wanda as she slowly begins to lose grip on the reality she's created when she becomes a little more controlling, eccentric, and frustrated like the wife in Mock in the Middle, unhinged by this inspiration. While, Vis- while Vision continues to attempt to distance her from Wanda and her control to see what's outside of Westview while trying to maintain the facade so when so Wanda doesn't suspect his distrust gives him an over-distracted and overacting quality similar to Ben Carson's performance in Malcolm in the Middle. And I will say having these tropes representing each episode is a great way to express in the detail, especially the Halloween episode, which is the long-held tradition that continues American sitcoms to this day, especially in sitcoms like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Community, and the episode of New Girl. Finally, we have the brother brother slash brother-in-law comes to town trope, a staple of the family sitcoms for a very long time. Pietro even says to Wanda, I'm just trying to do my part, okay? Come to town unexpectedly, create some tension with the brother-in-law, stir up trouble with the rugrats, and ultimately give you grief. I mean, that's what you want, wanted, isn't it? In sitcoms, a sibling coming to visit is a popular way to shift out dynamic, dynamic and create tension by understanding first character, which Pietro ultimately does and fulfills his routine, you know? And then you have two other characters who you have Jimmy and Darcy who come from Jimmy, who's a character in MC, comes from his own TV show, first off the boat, and Darcy comes off from Two Broke Girls. So, which is kind of said in the early 90s, early 2000 sitcoms, family sitcoms, leaving us to the late 2000 2010 sitcoms, unless for Wanda to throw herself in and her family into. Anyone can guess where the series might go, but I'm guessing we have some modern family mockery style WandaVision still has in store for us. And I think you'll get what I'm saying when we dive more into I think while. 
many of the wineries show takes many inspiration from their many sitcoms that you'll see in, in the entire show. I think episode seven where it's kind of talking about breaking the fourth wall because of that kickoff to the office style as well. And then we have the office, Michael Scott, iconic world's best boss mugs, the opening overall sex to also pay homage to the work of the two of the biggest MCU directors. And the borderline cringe overly saturate the personal like license plates, cups, and shot from one that featuring Wanda's name. And the open credits are all homage to the opening title of Happy Ending. It's a sitcom that ran from 2011 to 2020. The series was directed and produced by none other than the Russo brothers, who also directed Avengers Endgame and Avengers Infinity Wars. And then after the credits from typical sitcoms opening, like Happy Endings, Two Broke Girls, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, How I Met Your Mother, and One Day at a Time, and Big Bang Theory and Arrested Development were known for their overly satire, collage-like quality of their credits. And then I feel like another one that you'll see in our similarity to pay homage to sitcom is more in the earlier 90s, 2000s sitcoms. The way Wanda's Kitchen looks really familiar from, like, from the Darcy's house on the Dumfries house on Modern Family. Striking similarities there. I think also with the confessional technique, also with the individual characters in WandaVision, where it's like partly through individual camera crew of interacting with the audience and the cast is very apparent with Wanda's uh, actions and intercut with conventional styles that are very interview like of her, insisting on the individual camera crew that she's fine. And we're treated to a WandaVision and Darcy inner thought via the same method as well, including the famous office stare. So that's another cool note that, that was kind of interesting. Um, the technical or the traditional camera crew that was just an observation that never really interacted with the subjects has the fuller run of traditional of uh, the mockery documentary of, of the interview and technique style, which you see, you know, Wanda answering the camera crew and same thing with Vision as well with Darcy. And how they kind of parallel each other. I think that's the sitcom era of the the theme of individualism, individualism, and what's the one I'm looking for? The representation or the overrepresentation issue of class, race, and social relative between the family dynamic. Especially shows like Modern Family Office tend to portray social issues as the international trials and tribulations of an individual rather than the larger collective experience. I think that kind of echoes out through the portrayal of one division. As you see Wanda go through depression and treatment, even the problems of Wanda's name, only the opening credit speaks to the approach to the character that the mockery sitcom of the late 2000s were basically known for. So I feel like that's one thing to note in one division has spit over the collection of theme connections with all the sitcoms in the universe to compete with the rating of the reality TV shows by by intimating and trying to do the parallel of TV in the fictional setting, especially with the reality TVs, while also appearing to do relatively low budget, associates also playing with interesting like characters that you love or real, allowing you into their lives, seeing that they're just like you. And one thing I like to point out, besides in WandaVision, the main plot was Wanda overall losing control of reality, struggling to maintain the facade of controlling of control for her family, but also shines to eventually decide to open up and overshare by the creator that wanted to chose the most uncomfortable styles to come to realize her fall from grace and yet another series of a canly suitably paying homage to the era of television that provide what one exactly needed in her life to try to recuperate and to recover from this mental breakdown that she kind of had. And I feel like in WandaVision, especially in close to episode eight and nine, you have Agatha Hartman who plays the pivotal role of adding a certain little twist to it, but I won't kind of say what her role particularly is. You just have to watch it to figure out. But I will say she, 
Agnada does had a nice very catchy theme song. She even had a Starbucks drink named after it that was very popular for a while and people got it a lot of it. So I think those are the notable inspiration that I took from the show to real life adaptation, especially we're getting a glimpse of Wanda's trauma, like through everything that are like and then a sequence that we kinda understand Wanda's passion for the sitcoms comes through when her father like brings home certain sitcoms for her and the to watch how she could find one in English, you know? And though like some of the paying homage to like the same similar references throughout the other previous sitcoms like Mac in the Middle, Bewitched and the Honeymoon and many more, you know. And I think Wanda's favorite sitcom was the Dick Van Dyke show, a box in which Wanda's father kept hitting a hole in the wall. As the memories continued to unfold, Wanda's put on her favorite episode, the Wanda episode. It's a more fitting episode that kind of centers on the characters being unable to tell the difference between dream and reality after watching a horror film about aliens and invasion. I kind of foreshadowing the events of Wanda's own issue with reality. After Wanda leaves the night with her family, you know, we put on more trauma, more drama, and then um, we see her memory where she's with hydra and then you know her exposure to the mind stone and she's sitting in her cell like i said before watching the brady bunch and i think when she watches the brady bunch episode uh the kitty carry all in the missing episode particularly with tyler Burt's back in episode three of wandavision which eventually features the same doll in that from that season and also in the episode of the dick van dyke show wanda watches in the previous scene the episode has an eerie resemblance to her current predicament too the episode of the brady bun centers around a fake child the dog goes missing which could not be so sort of reference to wanda's own trip likewise may only be real as long as they remain the hex and they will go missing thanks to certain character and then all that trauma that kind of go down wanda's memory lane the moment of rolling well, relieves the Flashback of vision and comforting Wanda as soon as the death of her brother in her bedroom at the adventure compound. And that seeing Wanda is borderline catatonic with grief, attempting to numb the pain by binging Maka in the middle. And trust me, we've all we've all been there. We've all had an episode of Greek where we bend on something. And I think the timing also reflects why Pedro's main present was during Wanda Vision Maka in the Middle theme six episode, as it implied there, the show's Wanda is most associated with grief with uh, Pedro's death. So it feels like it's more poetic justice of the episode he was almost presented into, even if it really was a certain character's kind of involvement overall. And then, you know, we have Agnes' character, which I won't kind of delve into, but she kind of has a major role in these moments in Wanda's creation of her sitcom uh, reality in Best Foods Fantasy. And then also we learn, like, you know, Vision brought a property for himself and Wanda in Westry prior to his death for them to grow old in. Westry pre-hex bears little resemblance to the picturesque suburban of Wanda's manipulation. Her magic truly transformed Westry from what we know as the half-bent town in the virtual ruins and then what it was turning today. And then the moment of Westry's transformation is one of the best episodes to finally hit the final sitcom reference in an awesome display of grief and power. Wanda creates a power surge that builds up the post-war suburbia we glimpse into Wanda Vision's first episode, including Wanda Vision's own home. The style how Wanda's magic shapes the home, whether intentionally or not, called back to season five of Charm's sitcom episode called House Call, in which an eerily similar effect is used to create a hidden haunted manor out of thin air. Now it's easy to look into WandaVision and see why the series drew on so many sitcoms as a lot of references and inspiration to hammer on a home episode after the episode is the escapism of television offers all of us into the south into a shallow but at best harmful at worst it's true that wandavision has a show about one woman coping with grief by immersing herself and her body and her soul into a sitcom of reality of her own creation that shows the audience that we can cause harm ourselves and, and to others when we deny the truth of our reality but 
with WandaVision having nine episodes and a community about a 30 episode span, we are introduced with common comedic hijinks while also reminding us that despite the pain of our lives are often infinitely more, as painful as it may be, there are just more things in heaven and earth and then for Wanda Maximoff than can be dreamt of in your own sitcom reality. Now definitely check out WandaVision if you haven't already. I would say come back to this podcast episode to see if I nail all the sitcom references on the head by the time you watch WandaVision. Let me know what you think. Comment down below in the comment section where I post this on Instagram. DM me with your questions about the sitcom episodes that I mentioned on the podcast or message me on Snapchat or comment down below because I do post this podcast episode on Facebook. Let me know what other references that you caught in WandaVision. Let me know what you think. But until then, I will see you soon for another uh, episode of Melinda Prom Podcast. And I'll probably end off this third season probably around episode 25 or 26. I haven't really decided yet, but until then, I'll see you soon for next Friday for Melinda Prom Podcast. Until then, have a great day. Bye.